We're going to continue our series in Overcome. How in Jesus we have overcome the things of this world and all that it brings. So this week, such a crazy week. Let me give you just a little sneak peek of, of how it started and how it finished. In fact, I started out the week knowing it was a shorter week that we were leaving Wednesday to go recruit interns for youth ministry on Thursday at, in Abilene Christian. And so knowing that it was a shorter week, I thought, okay, oh no. What if the Holy Spirit decides not to speak through me this week and give me a lesson? Or, or my mind could have gone to, what if he gives me the silent treatment? I get that Holy Spirit silent treatment. Or my mind could have gone to, okay, well, we've got to recruit interns. What if we get down there and they don't like us? Or what if we don't like them? And then my son's birthday party was the end of this week, and I remember as we we're planning it, my mind could have wandered down that road of, oh no, what if he gets sick and he, we can't do it? Or we had to pay for 10 kids to come, and what if none of his friends show up and I got stuck paying for 10 kids? I could have worried all week long. In fact, I could have let Satan have control over my mind and my week, and it would have been so exhausting. It would have been so unfulfilling. It would have been a struggle and wiped me out. However, as Christians, I don't know if you've been there, but as Christians, we're called not to worry. <laughs> to not allow the things of this world, the stresses of this world, to be bigger than who God is. The truth of the hope of our salvation. I love the, the story of this, this man that walked into work one day. He walks in and He's kind of dejected, and his co-workers kind of surround him and say, you know, are you okay? And he says, well, I don't know. And they said, well, tell us what's going on. He said, well, okay, well, so a while back, a few years ago, my wife, I went home, and she was whistling tea for two. And a year later, we had twins. He said, well, then a year later, I go home, and she's watching the Three Musketeers on TV. And we had triplets a year later. He said, and they said, well, what's going on now, Bill? What's wrong? And he said, well, I went home last night, and she's reading the book of Birth of a Nation. <laughs> I love that story because imagine, yeah, your mind can just go down that road, and I can relate to that so much. So what is stress, anxiety, and worry? Stress is that feeling of being hard-pressed, pressure or a really unpleasant emotion or feeling. Worry is when we have thoughts or emotions that are negative and repetitive, but in an uncontrollable manner. Basically, it's when we're faced with a challenge or the thought, right? The thought of a challenge, and we feel that we're inadequate for the task ahead. Anxiety is that emotion that is identified most with an unpleasant state of inner turmoil. Each of these emotions can go hand in hand or they can show themselves in separate ways. So I decided, let me put this question out on my Facebook page. Love social media. In fact, to get lots of different answers. And, and here's some of the answers I got that week. It says, my children's future, being a good enough parent, safety. Will I lose my job, the death of a close family member or friend, 
my, uh, one, of my, one of my friends who's an executive minister chimed in and he says, I'm stressed anytime the youth minister preaches. I thought that was a pretty good one. Other stresses mentioned were the future of our country. I looked up online because I'm kind of a list person. I'm kind of a, kind of a weird, kind of geeky person that where I'm like when they do top 10 sports players and stuff like that, I love to hear those. But I looked up online, what are some of the top list worries? And here are some of the things that they put out there. Paying bills or being in debt. Finding the right person to marry. Or am I married to the wrong person? What do I do with my life? Do I spend enough time with my family? YOLO, or you only live once. FOMO, the fear of missing out. I love these acronyms. Sounds like PCYG. What comes after death? Health, terrorism, addictions. And then they listed a number of other ones, but I thought those were the ones, those were the top ones and some of the ones that were most appealing because when, I, when we talk to our students in youth ministry and we ask them, hey, how's your day going? How, how was your week? And they look at us and they go, oh, I'm tired. Or they say, oh, I'm stressed. They start telling us about their week, and they start talking about these feelings of being overwhelmed and worried. In fact, we're raising a generation that has more affluence than any other generation. But it also has the highest rates of depression, anxiety, and suicide. And those are on the rise. So think about that. How do we help this generation turn the tide? Because they're a generation that has only known a world with terrorism. They're the post-9-11 generation. They've only known a world with an unstable economy. So how do we help them? How do we help them not be crippled with worry and stress and anxiety? Some of y'all, I'm looking out there, and your stress and anxiety is already going up as I'm speaking. But you may, you know, hopefully you're thinking right now, okay, God did not make us this way. Why do we have this emotion? What's going on here? Why do I even need the emotion of stress? But stress can be a good thing. There's a form of, of stress called eustress. It can push us when we're faced with an obstacle to help us reach down and perform the best of our ability when we need it the most. In fact, in basketball, I always think of the, the person, the player that takes the game-winning shot. They're the clutch performer, right? Or the quarterback that's got to make the game-winning drive down the field with only moments left. He's the clutch performer. See, they, tra- they take those stressful situations. And when, when your life and your, your stress is in balance, when those emotions are in balance, you take those stressful situations and it pushes you to perform higher at times. One of my favorite memories uh, of this was our past spring season in baseball. I was coaching a little fourth grade baseball team my son was on and we fought our way back in and we're tied up, going in extra innings. We're the home team. It's tied up. And we've got two on, man on second and third, and my son goes to the plate. You know, as a father, you're kind of going, okay, here we go. And he gets up there, he gets in his stance, and then, boom, hits one right in the gap between second and third. And we're cheering, and we score, and we win. And we're going home, and on the ride home, I asked him, I said, Hey, it was a good hit. And he said, thanks. I said, were you nervous? And he goes, 
I was shaking a little. And I love that response, right? I mean, of the mouths of babes, right? Children will tell you what's really going on. He said, yeah, I was really nervous. But he took that stress, that emotion, and he used it to perform and win the game. So before we get upset with God about, God, why did you make me this way? Why did you put these emotions in me? We need to remember that we were created perfectly. We were created in such a way in his image for good, to do great things, but we have an enemy, right church? We've got an enemy and he came to steal, he came to kill and destroy. And he's taken these God-given emotions and he twists them to use them for his doing, to do harm, to keep us from living out who we're called to be. Before we jump into our key passage, our key passage tonight is going to be in Matthew 6, 25 through 34, which talks about worry. But before we get there, let's back up and look at what Jesus is doing here. What sets this passage up? In fact, we're right in the middle of the Sermon on the Mount, uh, where Jesus is talking to his disciples and the crowd about what does his kingdom look like? And what does it mean to be a disciple in Jesus' kingdom? He talks about the Beatitudes, how to be blessed. He talks about loving your enemies, marriage and divorce, being salt and light, how to pray, and, and, and even more. But right before this passage that we're about to get into, he speaks of where your treasure is. He's saying you can't serve both God and money. Those who are so consumed and worried about their treasure here on earth, they're going to have problems. They can't seek first God's kingdom. They're going to be blinded to the heavenly treasure that's waiting for them. He says you can't serve God and money. But one of my favorite questions, and Gina knows this, I ask her this a lot, because we'll be on a date and I'll just throw this out there because I just like to see if her answers change at all. But I'll say, okay, if we won the lottery. Of course, my mom always reminds me, you can't win if you don't play, but I, I don't want to waste a dollar and play the lottery. But if you won the lottery, what would you do? I love that question. Because if you have this you know, unlimited amount of resources or this big amount of resources, what would you do with it? And I started thinking, man, I would hunt a lot more. I would take my kids to Disney World and take my wife to Italy and, and take her to Hawaii. And then I started thinking, you know, we like our neighborhood, so we'd stay in the same house. We like our school, so we'd stay there. We like our church, we like doing ministry, so I'd still keep doing ministry. I feel called to, to work for the Lord. And so I'm thinking, okay, <laughs> so what would change? Why, why would I want to win the lottery? And then I get to the heart of it, and it's like, oh, I wouldn't have to worry anymore about money. I wouldn't have to worry about if the car breaks down, where am I getting the money to pay for that? When my children have medical expenses, where's the money coming from? Well, I would know. I've won the lottery. Or for people our age thinking through, how do I send my kid to college, right? However, if I could sustain or support myself, would I remain faithful to the Lord? Would I rely on God for every decision? 
Would I count on him and hold on to him in all walks of life if I thought I could support myself, that I could take care of myself? In fact, in the Old Testament, I love reading through uh, first and second chronicles and in first and second kings because you see these kings that god has put into power over his people and he's blessed them with with earthly riches he's blessed them with wisdom he's blessed them with resources and he's saying just serve me show these people who i am by how you serve and how you lead and time after time we see didn't always live out that way in fact one story in particular is King uh, Asa of Judah. And that story makes me so sad because here, here's a young king that started out in 2 Chronicles 14. He started out so well. In fact, when a mighty army was coming against him, here's what he said, and this will be on the, on the screen behind me. It says, Then Asa cried out to the Lord his God, O Lord, no one but you can help the powerless against the mighty. Help us, O Lord our God, for we trust in you alone. It is in your name that we've come against this vast horde. Oh, Lord, you are our God. Do not let mere men prevail against you. So the Lord defeated the Ethiopians in the presence of Asa and the army of Judah, and the enemy fled. You know, one of the dangers of worry is when our hearts are more in tune with the things of this world um, than the things of God, or we focus on who is in control. So maybe sometimes the root of worry may not be money, it may not be food or clothes, but it may be who's in control. I don't know if it was worry or wealth or comfort, but later we're going to see King Asa doesn't rely on the Lord the same way that he did when he was younger. In fact, in 2 Chronicles 16, we see that he's under attack from King Basha of Israel. And instead of crying out like he did when the Ethiopians were attacked, instead of crying out to God, he goes and he recruits the king Aram and he brings the Arameans over and they, they relieve them of the, of the attack from Israelites. And so, yes, they got relief from their problem. They were no longer under attack or under oppression of Israel, but God didn't get the victory. God didn't get the glory. The other kingdom did. And then maybe one of the saddest scriptures that I, that I come to is in 2 Chronicles 16, 12 through 13. This will be on there. It says, In the 39th year of his reign, Asa developed a serious foot disease. Yet even when the severity of his, in the severity of his disease, he didn't seek the Lord's help, but turned only to physicians. So he died in the 41st year of his reign. Oh, I pray that statement's never written about you or me that will always turn to the Lord to save us. Now, doesn't mean when stress, anxiety, and worry, or things, medical conditions are coming up, that we don't rely on other resources. But that can't be the only place we turn to. When we're faced with issues and problems, we have to remember that ultimately our hope is in the Lord. Yes, it's okay to take medications. Yes, it's okay to seek wise counsel, but God is your Savior, not the things of this world. So with our minds not now knowing that God must be the Lord of our life, that we're supposed to focus on Him more than anything else in this world, let's get into our passage here in Matthew 6, 25 through 34. It says, That is why I tell you not to worry about everyday life. 
whether you have enough food and drink or enough clothes to wear. Isn't life more than food and your body more than clothing? Look at the birds. They don't plant or harvest or store food in barns for your heavenly father feeds them. And aren't you more valuable to him than they? Can all the worries add a single moment to your life? And why worry about clothing? Look at the lilies of the field as they, and how they grow. They don't work or make their clothing. Yet Solomon, in all his glory, was not dressed as beautifully as they are. And if God cares so wonderfully for wildflowers that are here today and thrown in the fire tomorrow, he will certainly care for you. Why do you have so little faith? So don't worry about these things saying, what will we eat? What will we drink? Or what will we wear? These things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers. But your heavenly Father already knows all your needs. Seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously. And he will give you everything you need. So don't worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will bring its own worries. Today's trouble is enough for today. It's fun to read scripture. I love reading through scripture and see that we serve a God, especially, you know, when Jesus comes and speaks, he's got such a great sense of humor. I mean, think about that. He's taking this, this serious issue of worry and stress and anxiety that people are wrestling with, and he's making it humorous. He's talking about the birds being farmers, and he's talking about flowers being seamstresses. I mean, I'm sure when people heard this, they laughed because they're thinking, yeah, that's crazy. And he's saying, if God takes care of them, how much more will he take care of you, his dearly loved children? In this passage, it's good to see how Jesus is identifying worry. It's okay to be concerned. It's one thing to be concerned. It's another thing to worry. So let's talk about the difference there of, of what does that mean? It's okay to be concerned about my family member's health issue or watching my child ride off into the distance on their bike or in a car someday worrying about, okay, are they going to get hit? Are they going to be okay? When Jesus is talking about worry in this passage, he's talking about a worry that is paralyzing, that it is all-consuming emotion of worry. It takes the focus off of the Lord, your true hope and salvation, so it's not a feeling of, oh man, I'm, I'm concerned or I'm, I'm a little fearful of that. It's this all-consuming emotion of worry where you can't think of anything else and you can't think of succeeding because it's beating you down. Let's turn to Philippians 4, 4 through 7 because Paul, I think, does a great job here taking this in, to the next level with the church in Philippi uh, for to them to see, not to be anxious about anything. And he's going to take... What Jesus is saying is just expand on. He says, rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything. But in every situation, by prayer and petition, uh, with thanksgivings, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. So first, Jesus is saying, this is not who you're created to be. In, this, in the passage of Matthew, he's saying, I didn't create you this way. Think about the way the birds and the, and the flowers just live, knowing that God takes care, that God provides. So I didn't create you to worry. You know, like, like 
Paul's saying. He says, don't be anxious, but give those to God. And that's what Jesus is saying is, don't worry. You're my dearly loved children. He said, you're not created to be consumed by these thoughts, to be consumed by worry. He's saying, if you allow your emotions of this world to overwhelm you, it will distract you and take your focus off of what it's really called to be on. When we worry in the sense that Jesus talked about, it can also hurt our health. In fact, stress, worry, anxiety are all linked to illnesses such as even the common cold, heart attacks, ulcers, mental disturbances, and even more. If we worry, it can take over and disrupt our productivity. Many times stress can help you kick it into high gear. You know, I love people that procrastinate and say, yeah, I love to wait to that last minute. And that's when I do my best work. But if it's out of balance, if we let worry and stress get out of balance, it's unhealthy. It's not who we were created to be because we can either be paralyzed and shut down and miss out on some of the great things that God is calling us. Or we can be so overwhelmed and do so fast that really we do a lot of things, but we don't do them well. Worry can affect how we treat others. When people are in stressful situations or worried about something, it can come out in anger or rage. It can lead you to shut down and not help others or listen to others. And in this passage, Jesus is specifically talking about money, and he's saying, if you're worried about it, it will cause you to sin, to steal or hurt others, to get what you need. He says, it's not what you're created to be. You're created to have faith. John Newton says, we can easily manage if we will only take each day the burden appointed to it. But the load will be too heavy for us if we carry yesterday's burden over again today and then add the burden of morrow before we are required to bear it. And I love that because he's saying sometimes we can't leave stuff in the past. We keep dragging it along. But then at the same time, we're so worried about what's coming ahead that we just feel squeezed and pressured. We're worried about so much. The second issue I think of worry is that it takes the place of God. When we worry, we're not letting God be in control of everything. We're saying, God, you can have this, and you can have this, and you can have every part of my life except for this one part. I'm going to hold on to it, and I'm going to worry about it, and I'm going to wrestle with it, and I'm going to, I can't give it to you, God, because it's the one thing that if I hold on to it, I feel like I've got a little bit of control. You ever been there? And sometimes I, I worry about stuff or I stress about things because I think if I worry about it, then I'm still got a little control. And God is calling us to let that down, to let it go, to let him have control over every issue. He's saying, you of little faith, where's your faith? If the things of this world consume you to the point of that you're just dwelling on that and can't see God, he says, let it go. Stop. Let your faith grow and let God have his way. He says, stop. Don't worry about these things. He's saying, unbelievers run after these things, the things of this world. God wants us to be consumed with who he is in our life and that he's bigger than the things of this world. Imagine if you started to worry about something that you could picture God holding you or walking with you through that trial, that obstacle, and it would take a lot of burden off. It would be like a peace 
that passes understanding like Paul's talking about. But I think that's where we struggle a lot of times is just letting God have his way. Do I trust him enough? Do I trust God enough to take even my worries, to take even my stresses? In fact, I remember early on when I first got married uh, to Gina, and I remember early on, and, and I would, I, you know, I think this is when I probably tuned into the news. I don't now because it lets me worry less. Um, but I remember hearing about people getting robbed or killed at gas stations. And so I would tell her, you can't go get gas late at night. And if she was out late, I'd be worried like, oh no, where is she? Where, and I'd get my phone, okay, where is she? She hasn't texted, she hasn't called, is she okay? And I was just worried, I was consumed with this, this worry, this emotion of fear, and I was like, something bad's happened to her. Then she'd come in and, and I'd give her what for. I can't believe I was so worried. You made me worry. It's your fault. And she's like, I had no clue what you were thinking. I'm fine. And then I had, I had a friend that his wife cheated on him and left him. And I just thought, oh no. I started worrying about, what if Gina's not faithful to me? What would I do? What am I going to do? And so when she wasn't here and I didn't know where she was, I started down that road of thinking, well, she was somebody else. Something bad happened to her? It was exhausting. It was not a healthy marriage. And I think sometimes if we let our minds worry and run down those roads and we don't stop and go, God, <laughs> take control of my mind. You've got to have this, God. You're big. You're bigger than all this. It's exhausting. I had to lay down those cares. I had to lay down those worries. I had to trust that God was going to walk me through any trial that came my way. Did you hear that? It doesn't mean that things are going to go my way, but that I've got a God that understands my hurts and is going to walk with, walk with me through any trial that comes my way. That I don't have to worry. That I can have a peace knowing that God is in control. That I can lay those burdens down and let him have his way. I like this quote by Winston Churchill. He says, when I look back on all the worries, I remember the story of an old man who said on his deathbed, he had a lot of trouble in his life, most of which never happened. Think about that. Many of the things that we worry about, I think they said, in fact, 80% of the things that we worry about never happen. Think about that. We let our minds get so out of control at times. And God is saying, lay it down, lay it down. I've got you. And if we'll let it down, then we can enjoy the ride we're on, knowing that God's in control. Also, like this quote, it says, Worry never robs tomorrow of its sorrow. It only saps today of its joy. You can't control tomorrow. But you have today to live out. Live out a life of joy, a peace that passes understanding. So our first takeaway from what Jesus is saying in Matthew chapter 6 is that if we're in Christ, we should live differently than those who don't. In verse 31, Jesus says, Don't worry about the, these things, what you'll eat or drink or wear. These things dominate the thoughts of who? Unbelievers. 
But your heavenly Father already knows your needs. He, you, we must trust that God knows our cares and our needs and that he's going to meet those. And then Corey Ten Boom says this, Worry does not empty tomorrow of its troubles. It empties today of its strength. Think about that. When our faith is in God, we know the ultimate victory is won. Our life doesn't end in defeat. And I think we must also be patient and wait on the Lord. When our mind starts going down a road that leads us to worry or leads us to anxiety, to remind ourselves, wait, God is in control. God, you have this. And the more times that we start giving them those and we start seeing, okay, yeah, I gave that to God and I was able to enjoy my day more and have peace and that the road that I'm on didn't, it didn't fall out from underneath me. I still had sure footing. It was still stable. In fact, in Psalms 18, the psalmist says this, he makes, he's talking about God here, he makes my feet like the feet of deer. He causes me to stand on the heights. And I love it because if you've seen a deer can stand on the, on the tiniest parts of mountains and run up and down, you're like, wow, how do they not stumble and fall? And that's what he's saying is, when I walk with the Lord, that's the way my footing is. I have that kind of strength, that kind of peace. The final takeaway tonight is that we're to seek his kingdom first. Jesus says, seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously, and he will give you everything you need. And I like the New Living Translation here because it talks about everything you need. I think sometimes we treat God like a puzzle, or at least there are times in my life I've treated God like a puzzle, or almost like, okay, if I do this and I do this, then I'll get that. In fact, when I was, when I was a senior in high school, I remember thinking, okay, if I read my Bible, if I pray and I tithe every Sunday and I'm going to church, we'll win. And we went undefeated until we got to the playoffs and we lost. And I thought, wait a minute, what happened to the equation? Where did it go? I was doing so well. And I kind of thought, God, what, what happened here? But he's going to give us everything we need. He's saying, you may not get everything you want, but what you need and what you need in living out a life that glorifies God. Because life has to be about him. It can't be about us. It has to be bigger. And Paul's saying, then I think you're going to understand the peace that passes understanding. Because when you look at Paul's life, being beaten, being imprisoned, many times being stoned to the point of where they thought he was dead. You would think, Paul, you have peace? You have joy? Don't you have a lot to worry about? And Paul's the one saying, no, don't be anxious. Don't be anxious. And he's writing it from prison. Don't be anxious about anything, but in everything, give it to the Lord. In fact, And I like the message translations of verse 6 and 7 of Philippians 4. It says, don't fret or worry. Instead of worrying, pray. Let petitions and praises shape your worries into prayers. I love that. Shape them into prayers. Letting God know your concerns. Before you know it, a sense of God's wholeness. Everything coming together for good will come and settle you down. It's wonderful what happens when Christ displaces worry 
at the center of your life. Whew, love that. So submit to the lordship of Jesus Christ. Who is king? Who's king of your life? Who is the ultimate control in your life? When Jesus is in the boat with his disciples and he's asleep, and the storm starts raging and coming on them, I remember the disciples going down. They wake Jesus and they say, Jesus, don't you care if we drown? And they're so worried because all they can see is the waves and all they can feel is the wind. And Jesus gets up and he rebukes the winds and the waves and he looks at him and he says, where is your faith? And I love their response. Is who is this that even the wind and the waves obey him? If God controls the physical winds and waves of this world, can he not control the winds and waves of my emotions? The winds and waves of my stresses and my worries. Can God have those? If I gave those to him and I submitted those to the lordship of Jesus Christ, could he not give me the peace that he gave the sea that day? I had a coach one time because I would, I would make a mistake on the field and then I would get in this panic mode. It's like I was like out of body experience where I would just pace and I would worry and he could just read me and go, okay, his head's not in it. He's worried that he's going to cost us the game and every next play he's thinking he's got to win because it's going to cost us the game. And so he would come up and he would grab me by the shoulder pads. He would shake me a little bit he would go, hey, you're okay. Calm down. Everything's going to be all right. He would remind me who I am and what I'm called to do. And he would say, and you have the ability to do it. Tonight, I'm hoping this is your wake-up call. I'm hoping it's my wake-up call. That tonight, this is our shoulder-shake wake-up call. Don't let Satan win by putting worries and stress and anxiety in our life that blinds us to a God that is greater. We've got to remember that we have overcome. Now, if there's things in your life that you're anxious and stressed and worried about, I think you may have to think about medications to help get control of your mind back. You may need to go seek a counselor, a good Christian, godly counselor, someone that is non-biased that can sit and listen, help you think through. God has given us resources here to use, and that's okay. That's good. I think sometimes we think, wait, that's a bad thing. It's only bad when we only rely on those. When our true hope is not in God, not in the salvation we need to be crying out, rem remembering and reminding ourselves each day that God himself and the Holy Spirit lives in us. That God himself dwells in us. That when he conquered the grave, that he came and made his home in us. And I hope that gives you strength tonight. And I hope that wakes you up knowing, okay, I may need to step back. I may need to get some professional help. I've got a church family that can walk with me 
In fact, if you're carrying a burden tonight and you're holding on to that and you're saying, nope, I'm in control of this, I'm okay, I'm just going to hold on to it, don't walk out those doors without finding someone and saying, man, can you walk with me? Can you help me? You're not called to do it alone. You have Jesus in you and you have Jesus around you because we're here to do this together. Finally, I love my Paul. And he loved Western movies. And it always made me laugh because he would watch the end of the movie first. And I thought, well, that's weird. And I asked him one time, I remember going, Papa, doesn't that ruin the experience of the movie? The whole point is to get all stressed out during the movie and see that it works out in the end. And he, he sat me down and he laughed and he said, Brian... I like to watch the ending first. So then I can enjoy the ride that the movie's about to take me on. Church, let's remember the ending to our story. That we are victorious. That God conquered sin. That God conquered the grave. That we don't have to worry about tomorrow because he is taking care of our tomorrow. Doesn't mean things of this world aren't going to come up and cause stress. But we must be reminded of who is in control. And when those waves and those winds start blowing, that we hit our knees and we submit to his lordship and say, God, this is bigger than me. I lay this at your cross. Take it up. Because John 16, Jesus reminds us, I have told you all this, that you may have peace in me. Here on earth you will have many trials and sorrows. But take heart because I have overcome the world. So let's start tonight. Start laying down your burdens. Start laying down those worries. In fact, let's lay them down now as we stand and sing.